0: You're departing an organization because you were attacked by racist monsters who are lying. How could Harvard start, start, the, the, podcast. start the podcast? Okay. We, okay. 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 The podcast. we
1: know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The Fifth Column.
0: Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth column podcast this is your weekly rhetorical assault on the new cycle the people that make it and occasionally ourselves i'm camille foster we've been doing this for a number of years it's a brand new year the first podcast of 2024 we are delighted to be with you i am i am camille i said already i'm here with matt welch michael Moynihan, and we are ready to go gentlemen it's wonderful to be with you again second time of the day actually because we we had a second time Maggie Kelly thing earlier today we you did another M. We did a very sexual,
2: another very sexual she episode. She just wanted to get That's Moynihan on
3: the record about <laughs> loving a tree.
2: Oh yeah, she's talking about loving a tree. <laughs> well, it's always thankfully. Thankfully, I'd already read that piece, and I'd already uh, looked that girl up, and I was like, eh,
3: <laughs> "I'll leave her. I'll leave her." With she's no tree. Julia Every Butterfly <laughs> Hill. Uh, you might not remember her, Camille, because you were ten, but uh, Moynihan might. She li- had lived up in a tree for um like a year.
2: Yeah, on the campus of Berkeley, actually. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Wasn't that where it was, <laughs> it was either it was
3: on the Berkeley at campus. Berkeley or like Berkeley adjacent. So like up in the nicer like Muir Woods or something. Um that like where where people yeah. like Camille live. Um as opposed to
0: I mean that's that's near Mill Valley. That's right next to my house, which is a little further from and Berkeley. And so I was thinking
3: just like the woman that we talked about on uh, Megan Kelly, which is just an excuse for Megan Kelly to talk about Moynihan Talk to Moynihan about sex, if we're being honest, about that whole exchange. Is that what's what happening? It's
0: I don't sex. think that's what's happening. It's not sex in particular. Is it? It's I don't like think that's what's transgender it's yeah, yeah. issues. And kind of she's, both. Type, she's yeah. not just happy to talk to Moynihan about it. No, she it's, it's likes to, to see make, both of you cowards squirm yeah, because yeah. you don't want to talk about that topic. I
2: I mean, look, I'm perfectly happy <laughs> saying I will. Be trans so I can fight a woman that's, I was happy to say that because the whole thing was about boxing and about how the boxing association i mean I think the really daring um, take would have been women shouldn 't be boxing period because uh, <laughs> it 's not a feminine way of
0: acting yeah, uh, that's that would true. have been a very controversial take because that 's your true uh, that 's your true opinion yeah. yeah, and
2: I do want to correct myself. Mm. There was the woman on the uh, the uh, Berkeley campus. Who sat in the tree, because um, that's, that's when college politics were so much easier, uh, because they were like, hey, man, they're going to cut down the tree. And she like got in the tree, and everyone was like, OK. And like walked by her. It was on the, that was on the Berkeley campus. But Julie uh, Butterfly, Butterfly Hill was um, in a redwood tree uh, called Luna. Luna, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I think was struck by lightning or something. But and, they weren't uh,
0: having a sexual relationship. Well, so it was a totally different this kind is of situation. Where it doubles,
2: this unclear. is where it
3: doubles back is that we'd heard about oh. Julia Butterfly Hill for a while and I had made the assumption that she'd be like you would imagine a Bay Area tree philic college student would be like, <laughs> which is not someone that Michael Moynihan would be necessarily interested in talking to. Um, and I'm just going to say that like not. Julia Butterfly Hill circa 2000 Lot of Moynihan interest, like black leather pants, huh. smoking hot, like absolutely smoking hot. And I ended up having her and Mango Van David Galbraith. I just, you
2: ended
0: up what? Oh,
2: the only the only problem is I don't care how hot she is because she lives in a tree. <laughs> that is a small, she'd come down problem. out of the trees. What I'm saying,
1: like, yeah, like so Daryl you, Hannah, you know, you she doesn't want to come, out out of come
2: tree. to my yeah. house. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's a little high up. It's, I'm a little nervous <laughs> climbing the tree. Thank you. And she wouldn't come to my house because it was like, you know, in a in a regular house, which are fascist or whatever she called the normal houses that normal people lived in. But uh, yeah, but yeah, we miss her. But um I mean, the the I'm yeah. the looking at an
0: image from the time Matt Welch. Yeah, I mean, she's I, fine. It's fine, fine, fine. I mean, for a tree <laughs> person, she's fine. You would assume no problem, you know.
2: Yeah, you would assume it would be like a, a woman who looked like Peter Tosh with like huge <laughs> dreadlocks, but like white, like a white Peter Tosh. Because it wouldn't be like a black; it would be like a white girl. Wait, Peter Tosh wasn't His father like owned the logging company or something. Um, but uh, that Berkeley woman, I got to look her right. up. I remember. I don't. I'm I'm sure she works at you know JP Morgan or something now. But uh, campus, <laughs> obviously, simpler time back then. Now, oh, it's uh, a little less simple. Yeah. And we need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about (laughs) uh, Claudine. Um, And despite the fact that we did this already today, I think the reason we did this today on Megyn Kelly's show, and the reason we have to do it for our, I mean, just for our own listeners, we have to do it. But it's because since that um, recording, which we record from noon to two, it's was a very long recording. It feels like we're, you know, filming a Bergman movie or something. It's like, God... This is like Rogan, like that. I have to go to the go pee. Like this is just exhausting. But in that time, after two o'clock,
1: but it's a good I did time.
2: watch a lot of television oh, clips no. to to see people in our own profession uh, making complete fucking asses of themselves <laughs> to talk about Claudine Gay as if she had been run down. By a mob of white supremacists, and all she had done had been written stellar, perfect scholarship in books over the past twenty years. Um, v- rarely, by I should say, mentioning the plagiarism. Right. Uh, rarely. Yeah. Um and, and I was and like, when
0: they. And when they do mention it.
2: <laughs> oh, oh! It's it's. I, I had an. I had a little notepad here. Is my favorite, of my favorite euphemisms, and um, <laughs> what was the. Uh, someone who said they got her on a technicality. Oh. Um, <laughs> the technicality is plagiarism, and you were yeah, caught for plagiarism. Like. So it's a technicality, I guess, of sorts. Yeah. And then the constant like
0: murder—they get you for murder—that is also a technicality. It's a technicality because technically, you know, technically just, we were mad at
2: you for something else, but then you killed a guy, so the technicality was the murder. And then my favorite one, which seemed to be mentioned by everybody and various kind of iterations of this phrase and permutations of this phrase um, without proper attribution.
1: Mm.
2: Now, I want to take mm-hmm. a slight issue with this because this is not what happened. And everyone is allowing these fucking scumbag losers on every friggin' cable news channel to get away with this, which makes it sound as if she forgot to do, you know, alt F2 or something and put in a footnote. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you attribute plagiarism in your footnotes. This is something that I've seen people do. This is something that Jill Abramson did. In the front of the book, nobody knows that what, the words that you're reading are not theirs. They're words right. of somebody else. That somebody else that came up with those words. And you look in the back, and you see an attribution. And that attribution points to a book that you stole from. Sometimes people do that. Um, and I think it's, I've always thought that it was a way of getting out of it, of saying, oh yeah, I, I see, I footnoted it, that's fine. It's like, no, no, you stole and changed the words ever so slightly, which is, you know, always demonstrates that there's, there's some ill intent.
0: Yeah. and, and But and that's not a an attribution effort issue. To try to, to try to conceal something. Correct.
2: You cannot steal people's words and then attribute them and not point out that you've stolen their words, put fucking quotation marks around it. But in the case of, of Claudine Gay, they'd be littered with quotation marks because I think at the last count was fifty to sixty examples. I mean, some were amazingly egregious, uh, but this is this is straight up um, academic fraud, and students um, get kicked out of universities uh, all the time for this, all the time. And uh, I saw one particular one um, on uh, MSNBC of a professor. I think you've interacted with him, Johnson J- Johnson something Johnson jay something i can't remember um and he was going crazy that this was um you know something that was not a serious thing at all and it was just giving into white supremacy Uh, rather frustrating to watch all these
3: things Hmm. i mean if yeah there's there's nothing about white supremacy that has to do with plagiarizing the thank you on your paper book whatever i guess she doesn't write books but like um, on, on some major piece of work. Um, Megan McArdle, um, our friend, uh, who is a Washington Post uh, columnist uh-huh. and uh, and wife, Peter Suderman, my colleague at Reason, um, pointed out uh, on Twitter, and I think probably also in a column over Washington Post, that uh, something that Moynihan knows, because he, for whatever reason, has become plagiarism guy over the years, or at least sporadically so. Um, if you take... You know, I've been writing in the public realm since 1986. All right, oh, which is horrifying. But um, if you like quote seven words of pretty much any piece that I have written, um, just seven, and and this is not unique to me. Uh, it would certainly be unique to Claudine Gay if it applied to her, in which it doesn't. But if you if you put that and you do a search on those seven words in a row. The chances of you only finding yourself are really high. Sometimes you can find yourself a couple of times. You know, I use the word defenestration a lot yeah. for reasons that sure. make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, and, something that happened to Cluny. Uh, something that happened to Day. It's a great word. It, it has connections to other places that I've lived. Um, but like seven words in a row, it's tough to make that happen more than once, even if you're not, you know, you're you not known of uh, as being uh, like a huge stylist of the English language, just writing the actual work of writing. And this is the best point that Michael made on, on, uh, Megan, uh, Megan Kelly's show earlier today is that writing is a chore for a lot of people. I think it's a delight for me and I don't understand why you people sweat over it so much, but, um, <laughs> like, cause we care about the product. <laughs> yeah. So, Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> we don't expect our editors to rewrite everything. Motherfucker. <laughs> you want to do it on camera. you know better yeah. than that. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, if you write actually, uh, you will be creating new things even if you find your own personal like uh, world to be trite. Um and that is not what has happened here over and over again. It's not like, oh, there's inadvertent duplicative language. Um If you are finding yourself Mm -hmm. again and again and again having your seven words be findable across a lot of different searches, you're doing something wrong. Um, And it's even to the point where the number is so high with her, right? It's not just like, oh, my God, everyone decided to go against her right now, to, to search against her right now. They targeted her for their nefarious reasons. And so they threw the book at her and they found a couple of things. It's not a couple of things. It's a lot, including, as mentioned, <laughs> the actual thank you notes of a of a of a piece of writing, which is incredible. Um, there's so many there that it almost starts to make you think like, did she want to get caught? Like it's that it's that the, high of a level, it, level. It's that high of a level,
2: but it's also really important to note. That this is the stuff that allows one to be the queen of academia on earth. <laughs> Considering that Harvard is the most prestigious institute of higher learning on earth. Has been. And she's the president of it. It has been. I mean, it is, it, I don't believe it to be, but is, it is l- widely considered to be. And if you get to that position, how do you get there? usually via your own academic work. It's not as if it's, you know, a a sports team. There, There are people who are coaches of sports teams that have never professionally played the sport that they're a coach of. That happens. And that's not even rare. In academia, if you want to be the head of it all, you have to be an academic. Now, there are some people that haven't been, you know, I mean, there's a lot of universities. It's very hard to get people. But let's talk about Harvard. I mean, Harvard obviously... I mean, you have somebody like Larry Summers, who was the Secretary of the Treasury, has written a bunch of books, is an accomplished economist, has written a bazillion uh, papers on uh, economics. It is not as if people went through Claudine Gay's trash and found out that she'd been <laughs> cheating on her taxes. They found out that she is an academic fraud. So um, I'm sorry to say that when people say this is a technicality, this is a distraction, it's actually about this. It doesn't matter what the person's motivation is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why we have to have this conversation. I cannot believe people are so stupid to believe themselves that this is some sort of defensible position that you say, well, you know, if they were actually mad at her for something else, you don't think that that happens on your side? And I hate to say that there are sides here. There are people that believe in academic integrity and those who don't. And those who don't are doing so for political purposes. Theirs is political too. So if you think that Chris Rufo and whoever else, um, the people at the Free Beacon who are digging on this stuff, were doing it for politics and you're going out there on TV, on MSNBC and saying that this is not a big deal and this is not a fireable offense when it is a... Uh, an offense that will get you expelled from school, particularly, as Matt points out, when it happens as frequently as it did with her, that this is not a fireable offense. And then you go on this long, tedious disquisition about race that has nothing to do with it. Of course, the woman from Penn resigned rather quickly just from her appearance in front of Elise Stefanik. But we don't like Elise Stefanik. We don't like Chris Rufo. We don't like all these other types. It is a right-wing assault, it doesn't matter because the the, the the fact of the matter is if that's political, what you're doing when you're going on television and going on, like the guy on Democracy Now, good Lord, this Harvard professor, Mohammed, something Muhammad, he's a political science guy. It was one of the, I mean, he was throwing around... The word fascist. It was, you know, everything was was racial. You know, it referred to um, Nikki Haley. Somehow, this got to Nikki Haley as a quote unquote slavery denier, and what? it's like this is a guy that's. <laughs> I don't know. This was in a bit about um, about Claudine Gay, but all you listen to all of these complete wackos, and they're only doing this for political reasons because she was, at, and they're saying it pretty, pretty, you know pretty straight up. She's the first black woman to have this job. And that is something we need to protect. That is a political position. That is not an academic position. And that is something that, that um, if you're going to accuse uh, Chris Rufo, then um, you're doing the exact same thing.
0: Well, Moynihan, you sent over some of these uh, <coughs> these clips yeah. that you'd been looking at earlier. I mean, you yeah. you want to throw to any of those things? You know, I would say, because there's,
2: there's so many really stupid ones, um, there, let, let's do a weird one. The last one that I sent you guys was from a local um, news station. This is national news, so the local affiliates are covering it. And this was a local affiliate in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina, where there oh. is the triangle there yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, of uh, the research triangle and all the universities and um, the local reporter went to UNC Chapel Hill and talked to professors there about their reaction and this is just the first professor and th- this is the the news story and this it's pretty alarming
0: there's also a connection to uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones because UNC Correct. is where she was supposed to be hired for a job but she was denied tenure uh, because certain board members decided that they weren't going to grant it to her because they didn't quite like her politics. she's and not an academic and thought she her doesn't even write anything good.
2: at the New York Times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. um, but, but in that particular circumstance, fire came to her defense. Sure. And yep. insisted that the, in, in the interest of academic freedom, yep. um, she should be treated the same way anybody else would under these circumstances. Um, but at any rate, let's, uh, let's throw to the clip and see what these – local affiliate is talking about.
3: There are so many conversations happening in the world of academia tonight about what happened at Harvard. And if you think about it, it is much of our workforce, the lifeblood of the workforce academia is here in the triangle. Many reeling over the news at Harvard, thinking about how to process it and what it all means.
4: Leadership is lonely. And then when you're there and you're by yourself, in the sense there aren't many people that look like you, or hold the same values as you.
3: We sat in Chapel Hill tonight with Dr. Deborah Stroman. She herself a woman of color in higher ed at UNC.
4: When you're a senior leader at a university, there's very little room for small mistakes in public.
3: Stroman thought Harvard's President Claudine Gay would survive the the fallout since the war started in the Middle East. But today,
4: the first black president, second woman president, could not survive.
3: She was proven wrong.
4: There's a saying in the Black community where we say that your ice has to be colder right? Huh? Um, have you said that? Um, I'm no, I'm no, I
1: don't know what she's
4: talking about. Just the sense that wherever He's we show why, up in so. spaces as leaders, <laughs> sure. we have to be two times, three times better. Certainly heard that Truman, before.
2: and right, you can pause it there. You have well, to be two reason. to three times better. The, the, the way it's framed, of course, is, I mean, three times, like, less plagiarism. That's, I think she imagined <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> but th- three, you have to be three times better. It's like, no, no, it's, she wasn't fired because they thought she was incompetent. Or that she was, you know, academically unimpressive, both of which seem to me to be true. It was because she cheated. And it's this whole thing where you use the language, you have to be three times better. It sets it up as just a racial issue. And of course, the local newsman does not push back on this at all and says, well, yeah, of course. You know, we have we have to, our ice has to be colder. A very famous saying, and <laughs> which I was I was unfamiliar with. No one's talking about the plagiarism. No one says, well, you know, what was that an offense, ma'am, in your class that you would treat with uh, with some sort of seriousness, or would you uh, do it as a slap on the wrist? One would presume that she wouldn't, and also one would presume that somebody who's the head of a university would actually be held to a higher standard than an eighteen year old who's uh, just left their parents' house. 3 months ago for the first. One period. of
3: the things that uh we were kind of pointing towards but we didn't really talk about it at great length earlier today on on Main Kelly is that imagine all of these reactions and it's like a Mad Libs thing um so that the only differences are the actual characters involved. Imagine all of them, every single one in the media on Twitter or whatever um on your local news but instead of talking about Claudine Gay and uh, her actual plagiarism, which is pretty well documented by this point, uh, against a, a, a very not particularly interesting academic career compared to the title that she had, which is president of Harvard. Um, compare that to the way that ProPublica has gone after um, uh, Clarence Thomas uh, over the past like uh, six to eight months um, and his relationship with Harlan Crowe. So the way that I would invite people to imagine this is that we've seen a lot of headlines. The Associated Press has been most famous for it, but there's gonna be just tons, the New York Times, whatever, that basically is like conservatives pounce, Republicans pounce, um uh, right, right of center people which is the AP headline seize yeah, yeah. on, you know, plagiarism as their way to, you know, then fill in your bad libs blank on things. We don't see that um When the target of that is someone who is similarly hued, as far as we can tell, who um, actually has more qualifications for his job—I know this is controversial in some quarters—but it's also true than Claudine. You're gendering it as a man, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Did for Mm -hmm. hers, Um, but we don't see that because you don't. um, People don't, don't see. That they see Clarence Thomas as an aberration to begin with in the same way that they see Claudine Gay's antagonists to, pe- to, to look like an aberration to begin with, which is to say that their antagonists and Clarence Thomas belong to a part of the political world which is not the dominant, not the favorable place to be. And so they stick out. They, you can notice them and see them. <clears throat> there is nothing in Ibram X. Kendi's critique of this as being like obviously a racist, the excretion of some sort that could not be applied to the, not just last six months, but the last three and a half decades uh, worth of agita against Clarence Thomas. But no one's going to use that. Why? We know well, the answer. It's the same
2: thing of of her ascension to the presidency of Harvard, right? I mean it's the, the the entire narrative is this person doesn't belong here. And you you hear this woman from UNC Chapel Hill, you can find it on pretty much every segment that covered this on MSNBC and and a bunch that were on CNN too, um that this happened by the grace of God. It's just amazing that it did and guess what happens when it when it does happen? Right they are unseated within five five months. I mean, this, of course, never would have happened, and there wouldn't have been a campaign, quote-unquote, against her had um, Hamas not attacked on October 7th. I mean, this is... I mean, that's the, very, very likely, like, pre- yeah. It's a precipitating... Yeah. I mean, and by the way, there had been investigations into this. People had pointed out that she was a plagiarist in 2022, December. You can find this stuff online. People are chatting about it, and apparently this was delivered to the university, who did nothing but ignore it. And then when the New York Post started looking into it, they sent a lawyer's letter threatening to sue them for defamation. And this was in, now, this you're was telling, in October
0: that they did that. This was in October.
2: Yeah. Um, and you're telling me that it is an, an inhospitable place for someone like her. Um, well, no. It seems to be quite the opposite. Yeah. They, she was not fired. Let's be very clear
0: about they that. circled the wagons. She resigned. Yeah.
2: And they circled the wagons and they will do this in every other university too. It is, I mean, th- th- you see the response for these people, particularly this guy, and I'll put it in the show notes on um, <laughs> Democracy Now!, which is too tedious and long to, to, you know, pull as a clip. And you will see that this this panic is that they're winning. We own this space. We have taken over this space ideologically. They don't like it. And now they're winning. And he starts ticking off. The ways that they have won, and he's talking about DeSantis and he's talking about Claudine Gay, et cetera, and it's like, yeah, well, you still control ideologically ninety nine point nine percent of the university system, and the, I mean it's it's any sort of diversity of thought they get very nervous about, yeah, and so when it's Chris Rufo and whoever else it might be, the guy again, the guys from free beacon and and some other people too. That they have to be part of a kind of racist. I mean, you can't even say that Abraham I- X. Kennedy is making an argument. He's making no such thing. I mean, it is. An, I would fire him from an academic in- institution. I mean, for the way still, of arguing. I think
0: he's still under investigation at BU, or at least his I, his the conduct of his organization um, is still under investigation. From,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, and I say that not even for squandering money. I say it for like, if you're an academic of some repute. Mm-hmm and you are making these enormous charges and not backing Never them up with even a shred yeah. of evidence not one that there is a white mob that will not be happy until all black women in particular are you know run out of the university it's camille put a clip of the of the cnn guy and i want to show you what um, how it's described when you are a plagiarist and the br- wrong people have publicized this or figure this out. I think mostly publicized it. Mm-hmm. And the right person is being accused. This is how it's described on CNN.
3: These plagiarism allegations, uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Now, we should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas <laughs> in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like a copying uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more <laughs> sloppy. What would you call that? Than that? Ideas, American... Nonetheless, you can put all that together. American English is such a
2: rich iteration and version of the language. It would be amazing if we had a fucking word for that. It's just,
0: it, it makes absolutely no sense. I
2: can't make any sense. And by the way, that. it's not a fucking correct. Correction, stop (laughs) saying this, people. It's not a correction. Saying 73 when it's 63 is a correction. You stole somebody's shit and you go back ex post facto, particularly when it's printed, you can't go back because a lot of this stuff is from the 90s and the 2000s and places when it wasn't online. There's PDFs, but that is not a correction. It is going back and saying, oh, I have to change this language because I stole it or put the whole thing very weirdly and very awkwardly in quotation marks. Again, not a fucking correction. A correction is a mistake. That is deliberately stealing other people's language because you're a lazy writer or you're a bad writer, and I don't know which one it is, but who cares? Either way, it's an offense.
0: Well, I, I wonder if we should just enter into the record the, the bit about Bill Ackman here, who is you know, a prominent investor, made some money, has a role uh, at, at Harvard, Um, Where he's been. They all of a sudden fucking hate billionaires. He's been giving. They love them for years. (laughs) Bill's been giving money for a long time uh, at Harvard, but he's been one of the vocal critics of this gay for a couple of weeks now. And I think he first became a a bit of. uh, I think he became very controversial early on because, and was accused of being a racist and various other things because he publicly posted about something he claims to have learned about the search process, um, that the Harvard presidential search committee had excluded candidates that did not meet specific DEI criteria. Um, Now, I don't know exactly how well supported that assertion is, um, but it certainly sounds plausible.
1: (laughs) Hmm, It sounds
0: plausible. We've certainly seen things like this before, um hell, we've seen it for the vice presidency of the United States. We were assured by Joe Biden before he had told us who his uh vice presidential nominee would be that she would have a brown vagina. Like that is what he told us. Um and that's uh, those are his words, I think. Is that right? Matt watch. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. I'm not kidding around. I'm not kidding around And we have people insisting the same thing now that Claudine Gay is out that the next the next person, her successor, needs to be a black woman. Uh, this, yes, and this,
2: Mark, no. Mark Hill said that, yeah. yeah so, and if
0: you point that out, by the way,
2: that is racist. Yeah, well, if to you point well, out if you the thing that people this, make yes. a very obvious point of saying whoever replaces this
0: uh, fraud um, should have these um, immutable characteristics. Yeah, which, I mean, this is how race gets inserted into the conversation, Right there's been this this rather explicit effort to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion on university campuses and in various other contexts. That there have been search processes um, and hiring efforts in for, amongst Fortune 500 companies and virtually everyone else that are explicitly focused on promoting. Uh, additional or increasing the number of black candidates, increasing the number of minority employees, um, diversifying in the most uh, kind of crude way imaginable—that the the gender and the race of people has to be a particular of a particular composition in order to satisfy us. Like this has been the case for a long time. So when someone comes along and says, "Hey, there's a controversy involving this person," and there's good reason to believe that their characteristics had something to do with the reason why they were hired. I mean, it's not impossible to understand why someone might believe that. Um, and it's not impossible to see this. It's not impossible to imagine this becoming a controversy, uh, and, and that it actually becomes a a part of a controversy that has other relevant issues, her conduct during the congressional hearing and the specific allegations of plagiarism, And it doesn't, I mean, those things aren't discounted or at least shouldn't be discounted because this person happens to be of a particular race and because someone has made observations about the fact that she was perhaps, and I would say even likely, um, hired in part because she happens to be the right gender and the right race.
2: Well, her academic record isn't something that, you know, one would be amazingly impressed with. Um, you know, particularly, you know, no books, um, very few published articles and the ones that are published appear to be, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I would say if I was on CNN, like I wouldn't say <laughs> plagiarized, I would say. You know, borrowed in a very uh, conspicuous way that only uh, attracts the attention of right wing lunatics. Different, what was the other one, like differently, differently, citations. Differently, loose citations. <laughs> yeah, differently. attributed. <laughs> I was watching a show with my daughter the other day that's on Disney Plus. Um, it's called Percy
3: Jackson. Yeah, I think. yeah totally stolen um, from the Greeks.
2: Yeah. Well, this Percy Jackson show, and this is relevant here because um, we're watching it, in the main character is this like little white kid with curly hair. And I recommend anyone watch the first episode. It is it is absolutely remarkable. For the next hour, there is you know probably fifty characters, and they they there's not a single white person. <laughs> they're like Asian everyone. They're like they they're all like um you know Greek gods. The, the descendants of Greek gods. Descendants of Greek gods, by the way, appear to be mostly from Vieques in Puerto Rico. <laughs> To, you know, whatever. It's, it's fantasy, so it doesn't make a difference. And everyone else seems to be in a wheelchair. And it is, the, the idea of this, the fact that this happens, to point that out is considered very, very
0: gauche, when one should not point this out. But it is so conspicuous. Yeah, it was the explicit goal like, during, the, during 2020 was to produce is, precisely this outcome.
2: Exactly. And it is so conspicuous. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, well, actually, no, give me, let me give you some uh, comparison that Camille will appreciate uh, from my, business being Miguel, the uh, drywall <laughs> man. They, they, in the drywall, you feather it. You feather the patch so it doesn't, it's not obvious, yeah. right? They, they don't feather the patch on mm. this. It's just the most obvious thing. Everyone is like, you walk into, the kid as the superhero walks into a room and everyone is like, hey man, how you doing? It's just like, every, like people rolling over in their wheelchairs and I'm like, man, this is, I've never seen any assemblage of people that has ever looked like this. But it's, it's you know, considered impolite to point this out and i'm not saying that one you know this is good this is bad i don't care to be honest but it's so obvious. It's like when you go and you have the cover of the Sports Illustrated sin- Swimsuit Issue and, like, you know, somebody 600 pounds or trans or whatever. It's just like you're trying to make political points in places where politics usually didn't exist, right? In the past, it didn't exist. So people of our vintage, it's it's very, very conspicuous. So when you see this stuff with Claudine Gay, when you see this stuff with these search committees and say, well, we only have to, we have to hire somebody of a particular uh, background, but don't you dare point it out. It's everywhere in life. And on one hand, it's always pointed out for the sake of having a debate about it. Writing a piece for, you know, the Hollywood Reporter or Variety or Slate or Salon. Like, why is there no representation of X, Y, and Z? Make sure when you do the next film, do the next hiring, that it's this type of person. And then when you say, I don't know, I think that's probably not the best way of doing it. The debate on that point has changed more than anything else in my adult life when it came to political debates. That was a totally normal position to have. There were people on the left that were not fans of what we used to just say, affirmative action, right? And and that encompassed everything, preferences, whatever you want to call it. That conversation was a pretty robust conversation. There used to be debates about, you know, I mean, remember... Um, Sandra Day O'Connor saying, you know, in, in, that, in, in the ruling of, like, well, when is what's the end date? Like, 25 years? And we're at about 25 years, by the way, from the time that she said that. And we had totally normal conversations about this. The thing that I notice in this, the, the debate about—it's not really a debate—the conversation, such as it is, about Claudine Gay, is that even questioning her academic credentials, which is, I would question if she was from Norway— because it's just a, a again, a conspicuously thin record. And then she plagiarizes it all. It's just obviously dismissed as racial animus. Good lord, if you try to have a conversation about whether that should be the dominant criteria when you're hiring the president of Harvard, I mean, you might as well be Bill Connor, Bill Connor at that point. I mean, that's we're not even having those conversations. To 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 talk about that, you have to tiptoe very delicately into it which is, I don't think something that happened and Matt would remember this too. It might, you might disagree with me, but that was not the way the debate worked 20 years ago.
0: Now I was going to ask if you guys read um, her, uh, her opinion piece yeah, that yeah. was published in the uh, times yeah. this afternoon. She clearly didn't. I want to hear some meal sauce
3: about that though. I want to address some of the things that Michael was talking about too.
0: Well, no, I was just, I was curious to hear if you, if you, um, to, to hear if you guys had read it because it, seems to hit all of the notes that we were talking about earlier. Um, the It opens with her bemoaning the fact that she's been under siege, attacked um, for her work, um, but generally that she's been attacked and maligned dishonestly by her critics um, and that they're misrepresenting, that she... But what she insists that she's never misrepresented her findings, nor she ever claimed credit for re- for the research of others. Moreover, the citation errors, Bullshit. as she calls them, should not obscure the fun- a fundamental truth. I proudly stand by my work and its impact on the field, um, which, you know, okay. Wow. Um, wow. Speak your truth, girl. Yeah, those who... R- Rufo, like... Those who relentlessly... Self-congratulations. Those who <laughs> relentlessly campaigned... To oust me since the fall, often traffic in lies and ad hominem, insults, not reasoned arguments. Oh. It, one of the things that, that sort Did she point out any of these insults I, or-, only, or, or? Only, only in the vaguest possible ways. And it's very interesting. Huh. I mean, what you're being accused of by them. The principal thing that they're beating the drum about isn't your blackness or your ladiness. It's your inability to write without appropriating other people's material. And she insists that when she found out about this, she immediately, immediately requested changes. Okay, so when when was that that she found out? And where's the evidence of these requests for changes? It's a lie. Where is it? It's a lie. You've had weeks now. You are, you have paid almost a million dollars a year to do your job at, ha- at Harvard. Still. You have the full support Still. of the board and various other members of the faculty. They've been in your corner. You're telling me that for three weeks you couldn't put together a meaningful defense articulating why this, this is just a misunderstanding, why this is just an evil cabal that is out to get you. Instead, she talks about, like, how she is courageous in this piece, but... What you're doing doesn't seem courageous if I believe you. If I believe you, you've been maligned and lied about by a racist cabal. And because this is happening, you're going to resign from your job. And your employer, Harvard University, is going to accept your resignation despite the Mm -hmm. fact that you've done nothing wrong. And they apparently know that you've done nothing wrong because they gave this preposterous— over too the many top. racists
2: out there get, get, they're running right behind you yeah, yeah. but they get I mean, it's, it's truly amazing that she resigned and said she did nothing wrong in an administration that had this information it seems for over a year uh, obviously alerted her to it there were no immediate corrections that's clearly false <laughs> and you know
0: they stood by her and said we stand by you yes and there was a point even, at which even it became now, untenable. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. as I return to teaching and scholarship, I will continue to champion access and opportunity. I will bring to my work the virtue I discussed in the speech I delivered at my presidential inauguration: courage. Because it is courage that has buoyed me throughout my career and it is courage that is needed to stand up to those who seek to undermine what makes universities unique in American life. Are you standing up to them by resigning your position? while yes, insisting she, you've done nothing wrong. Courage. It's not <laughs> just fucking
2: washing up on the shores of Normandy in 1944. <laughs> Courageous woman that yeah. she
0: is. I will, I will resign, effective immediately, continue to collect my million dollar uh, a year <laughs> salary. And I assure you that I didn't plagiarize. I just 60 times made the same mistake of appropriating other people's material and not attributing it to them while making subtle changes to make it harder to detect the fact that I was appropriating other people's language. It's just not Credible, and it doesn't matter who points it out. This is the cardinal sin of academia. It just is. Correct. This is like blasphemy in the scripture.
2: You can't do it. It is. (laughs) And also, by the way, this woman who's an academic writes, or she says she's an academic, writes as if she is on cable news. She writes (laughs) as if she's writing for a tablet. That is who she's writing for. Because what she says is like, you know, they're trying to destroy uh, these forces. These, like, you're Tucker Carlson, by the way. Yeah. These forces, this deep state is trying to destroy me. Who? What are they doing? So why can't you just say that there are people who disagree with your kind of pedagogical vision that centers things like DEI? That's just a fact. We know that you support that. We know that that's something that you want to bring and expand at Harvard. And there are people who disagree with that. You could have an honest debate about it, or you could dismiss them as a mob and racist and then shut down the debate, because there shall be no debate. What is worthy of a university? Having a debate about these issues or trying to shut them down by saying that you are an ism or an ist? You are a racist. We don't don't debate racists. I mean, we're perfectly fine, by the way, if you call for the elimination of the Jewish people on campus. That's just a technicality. We have to look at the actual code. But everybody else is is a racist. And to say that you can't have that debate is another disqualifying thing if you want to be
3: president of Harvard. I'm struck by, as Moynihan was talking about earlier, um, sort of the debates about debates, and particularly as it reflects on affirmative action. Um, there's a kind of overlap or there's there's an analog with affirmative action in the 1990s as a political debate it was a hot button debate in a way that really has not been since for 25 years we really haven't been having large debates about affirmative action Moynihan and i went because you can't went to a lot of tea party debates or uh, protests i should say um demonstrations in 2008 9 10 11 and um You know, many of us were looking for like, okay, where's the affirmative action signs? Because then we would know that's what they really cared about. And there weren't really any. Um, There were the occasional, um, you know, Obama looking kind of like a weird caricature, but that really wasn't the tenor of the debates at the time, regardless of what happened afterwards. Um, But I'm reminded of those affirmative action debates and the debates over what back then in the 90s, again, that we call political correctness, right? Uh, which is to say mm-hmm. um, they were hot. I mean, they were the subject of California ballot initiatives and uh, whole television programs and whatever. And they were part of the conversation. Then they receded. And I've always been impressed by um Conversation that I originally had with Greg Lukianoff, a former guest and a good friend of ours from the Foundation for Individual Rights uh, and Expression, now used to be Education Fire, that Camille's a board member of. Um, when I first started to meet him and interact with him as editor of Reason when I uh, took over in 2008, um, I was like, hey, man, you know, you, you're, hey, man, come on, man. Um, yeah, you, you're part of this organization <laughs> that's all about campus free speech, but you guys won, right? Like, because in 2008, we weren't talking about political correctness as this overwhelming thing. And what he told me, and that became um, the fodder for a uh, reason feature, which became the fodder of a book that he wrote uh, later, um, was that no, dude, all that stuff kept happening. It just stopped being a topic of conversation. And I think that there is something absolutely analogous about affirmative action policies. And I remember encountering this for the first time when I was a shitty freelancer in the late 90s after coming back to this country and writing for the uh, Online Journalism Review, which is based out of uh, USC, which is the University of Southern California, uh, Trojans and whatnot. And um, so and in filing my uh, university, whatever, uh, whatever, paperwork to get paid, They're like, are you a minority or woman owned business? I'm like, um, I'm a dude. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm a (laughs)
1: hot chick (laughs) with an LLC. I didn't even cut my hair at that
3: point. It's just not really going to work out. But like, uh, you realize that it wasn't just a university mandate. It was a city of Los Angeles and a county of Los Angeles mandate. All these different things that were set up. It was basically affirmative action, um, like in the weeds of everything of of payroll, of whatever uh, was going to be there it long after we were still having debates about it. And that was true also of the political correctness on campus stuff, which Greg rightfully told us in 2009, 10, and 11, like, dude, it's there. They've been baking it in the system the entire time, even as we felt like yeah. we won the argument which is a, a note of caution for anyone who feels like, in this particular moment, when Claudine Gay is out the, out the door, you will see this every fucking day on Twitter and on the opinion pages and where else. Um, you know, It's still a minority view, as uh, our friend Coleman Hughes found out when he tried to talk about this on CNN the other night. It was a disaster. Um, just not him, but the, the people that he was talking about. Uh, when he tried to talk about this... Uh, the overwhelming thing is that the bureaucracy has been on the side of that, this whole time when no one was paying attention. So even if in this micro moment when people are paying attention to this one case where this one uh, you know uh, uh, president of a university, maybe there's two or three uh, get rolled back uh, in the meantime that is the result what we're looking at is the result of 10 years of 20 years of backfill, where affirmative action, in particular, uh, but also DEI stuff um, uh, and political correctness stuff, anti-free speech stuff, has institutionalized itself. Um, so that is what we're uh, what we're looking at at a time when all of the uh, places where people talk about this, which is academia and media, have gone overwhelmingly uh, to a place where it's left of center, and so where every thing that happens from a right-of-center point of view, um, including right now, which is a lot of applause of what's happened to Claudine Gay, is seen as this horrifying aberration that must be the root cause, the center of the story, as in the Associated Press version of this story, as opposed to really kind of shitty academic got caught plagiarizing 50 times.
2: By the way, this is where technology has been an incredible benefit to everybody. I mean, this stuff has been going on since the 1990s when um, Alan Kors and Harvey Silverglit wrote The Shadow University. I mean, it was documented in that book in maybe 98, 97 when that came out. And it was everywhere. It was so crazy. When I was at university, it was the crazy... I couldn't believe how crazy it was, and it's what kind of molded me as a person. It was way over the top. And those people that were getting that, the sort of 68 generation were the professors... Those people who were being educated at the time in my age are now the professors, and the difference is no one saw it. It was always there. It's been there for a long time. But now um, I was listening to Terry Gilliam, the Monty Python animator, director of Time Bandits, etc., hmm. on Rick Rubin's podcast, and just randomly he was like, "You see what happens to these universities in America? Everyone's gone crazy." And it's like, do you think Terry Gilliam would have said that in an interview fifteen years ago? It's like, no, because every time he clicks online, there's some video of somebody being a complete psycho on campus. It's just like, we want to take your money. We want to take your parents' money, but we don't want them to know what goes on here. You know, kind of, you know, close the screen. Don't let them see what we're actually doing because when they find out what they're doing, they don't like it. It's a very, very simple proposition is that the stuff that if you, if you, like Bill Ackman, who has been the Eminence Grease here, the sort of, horrible gray cardinal behind everything, um, <laughs> wrote a long piece uh, for Barry Weiss's Free Press today, which is quite good and quite detailed. And the second half of it, he goes into like how DEI and the ideas of DEI have taken over everything. Is it the same thing that, that
0: he tweeted? That long, pretty much, yeah.
2: several thousand? It's, okay, It's a longer and a little smoother version of it, okay. but it's similar. Yeah, it's similar. And it's like that, it, it's honeycomb the institution's If you were to make a documentary about it that was a serious one and not one that was made by TPUSA or some nonsense like that, Mm -hmm. just like a serious um, 60 Minutes piece, which is, by the way, 60 Minutes used to do. I said on this podcast that I was trying to find an episode of 60 Minutes where they are talking about um, Afrocentric schools. We found that, yeah. Similar, very similar to the DEI stuff. Somebody found it or posted it on, on YouTube and you can go look at it and it's totally bananas. 60 Minutes doesn't do stuff like that anymore, which is to the point about talking about affirmative action. Because people are too afraid. When you won, I mean, when they saw that there were people with pitchforks coming towards the university, 2014, 15, the tactic changed. And it was to to rebrand anyone who had any questions about this stuff or any skepticism of this stuff or just thought it was bad for academia, bad for the university, to rebrand them as uh, hateful people. People that shouldn't be engaged with do not have them. Do not platform them. Do not respond to them, and that is what all of these people do all the time. You look at Claudia Gay. Does she respond in any significant way to the charges that have grievously wounded her reputation? No, because what what has worked for so long? Look over there, racism. Look over there, DEI. Look over there, Christopher Rufo. All this stuff. It's it's just a sleight of hand. I mean, this is like this sort of intellectual three card monte.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, Ibram Kendi earlier, who has been genius, <laughs> who's been uh, MacArthur genius, a prominent voice supporting um, the the ousted president, of former president of Harvard University, and the post that he put up earlier today um, was something along the lines of. Uh, the, actually, I'll just read it. Pay attention. The racist mobs routinely call people of color, quote, woke, and their presence, quote, (laughs) DEI, and then say it's striving to eliminate, quote, DEI and, quote, wokeness. It couldn't be clear who the racist mob is striving to eliminate, particularly from the position of power and influence. That's one, and then he mentions there's an exception there, which is invitations are always out for individuals of color willing to be servants of the racist mob. Ironically, these servants call themselves quote free thinkers on this platform. Now, what I love about this is you well, it's, responded to it is manifold. There are many things to love. Yeah, I mean, you know, just let's have a conversation, Ibram, of which we'll never have a conversation because he's not interested in talking. Um, And of course, if we were to have a conversation, the things that I would want to talk to him about aren't what I've been paid to talk about by white supremacist paymasters who insist that I hold these views. And that's the only reason I could possibly hold them. He holds his his views earnestly. I must by necessity, because he says, so hold my views for monetary benefit, but whatever. So he's making a hell of a lot more money than I am. So how's yeah, that working Yeah, he's making
2: out? the monetary benefit <laughs> is like he's got a fucking Netflix series and you don't. Yeah, but the <laughs> things we would talk
0: about are his ideas. And, yeah. his books, and his books and his Netflix are, show. Yeah. But we would also talk about the scandal at BYU, or at least it's not much B-U, of B-U. a BYU, yeah, not yeah, BYU, yeah. BYU. excuse me, um, where his anti-racism center is, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. which has been, uh, which actually should be involved in a great deal more scandal. There should be more talk about the fact that he's collected tens of millions of dollars and had to fire more than half of his staff and... It wasn't Chris Rufo who was making noises about his Malfeasance and misconduct yes. it was his former employees it was his, his colleagues, colleagues there at the university, expressing deep dissatisfaction, I, I, while the the it, university. By the way, Camille, it's a very
2: good point because that that gives light to this total bullshit thing that if it wasn't Chris Rufo, it would be fine. Yeah, because these people are not Chris Rufo, and nobody pays attention to it.
0: And and what I find remarkable though is, you know, he's defending her, insisting that all of this is a campaign, as you said earlier, Moynihan, that he won't people, monsters, racist monsters will not rest until every single Claudine Gay is fired from the university. Universities, that just simply does not seem to be true. I don't see anybody going after Glenn Lowry or but John McWhorter for even if
2: that's right. But even if it, well, right, <laughs> even if it were true,
0: plagiarizing things um, at university because probably they're not plagiarizing things.
2: But so what if that is true? That if, if people that won't rest until everybody like cla- Claudine Gay, the pr- the difference between me and Ibra Max Kennedy is when somebody says like cla- Claudine Gay, I Doesn't think mean, of Robin like. D'Angelo. Yeah, I don't think of their race. I just think of bad ideas. And if they're promoting bad ideas in the university that's weakening the university, um, sure, I think they should probably be bounced. And there's probably—it um, would be a better world if there was at least a mix of universities that didn't do the kind of stuff that, that Harvard uh, uh, does so, so ably, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, but I mention him in part now because—and I've, I've known about this for a little while. I have this, this clip of audio from an event that Ebran participated in at the Apollo back in early October— and it is one of the only times that I've heard uh, an ex- example of someone asking him directly about the misconduct and malfeasance at his university where he runs this anti-racism center. And the way that he defended himself, if you could even call it that, um, when asked about this in a public venue, somewhat public, because there's no public recording of this that I could find. I just happened to have this audio. Um mm-hmm. The way he defended himself sounds a hell of a lot like Claudine Gay. (laughs) Like most of the conversation isn't about the specific allegations of misconduct or the fact that there's an investigation taking place, which might result in him getting some sort of having some sort of embarrassment and uncovering some sort of misconduct. But at, at least there, you know, the university has circled the wagons as well. But in either case, it's worth listening to the way that he talks about what's going on here and the actual factors that he insists are important when there are legitimate allegations of misconduct on your part, professionally and academically?
4: This is a, a, a question I'm constantly thinking about, uh, you know, because it's, to do this work is to constantly get death threats, um, to constantly have articles sort of slurring, I should say, sort of slandering you, um, it's to constantly be an institution. The institution is racist you.
0: and undermining him. Uh, Interesting.
2: Yeah. The one who gave him the, um, all the millions of dollars. Yeah. Okay.
4: And it's to also have to deal with people who look like <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. You get that? People who look uh, like you attack you. Do-
0: mm, says the crowd and Nicole Hannah-Jones who's seated oh. next to him on the stage.
4: Wait, so, he's, he's, he's his, his argument is unfortunate is
0: that because he has to sometimes deal with people who look like him attacking him. Now, what,
2: who are like <laughs> kind of bald but have
0: long dreadlocks? Is that what he's talking I about? I think he's, it's I his, think, this like, is the it's tweet Matrix again. Three I think this is the villain. same tweet where he insists that the monsters, the nefarious yeah, monsters is. who happen to be persons of color who disagree with him are obviously very bad people who are doing this for nefarious reasons. Why else would they do this?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. people who look like you uh, attack
1: you uh, even though you're even doing, though this, you're for doing this for them
4: and and so I think for me where, where I draw that strength you know, each day to continue to do this work is because of my love of black people Every and one of them. my abiding commitment and loyalty to black people all of them and I feel as if if, if, if I, I just can't bring myself to face black people without declaring to the world that all these lies that have been told about black people for the last 500 years are not true. If I don't document precisely how those ideas are, if I don't document precisely how there's nothing wrong with black people and everything wrong with racism, I don't feel like I can face black people. I don't feel like I can face my friends. I don't feel like I can face my family, my friends. And, and so that's why I do this work. And I'm <laughs> never going
1: to stop. <start>. Camille. <laughs> yeah. What? That literally did not answer absolutely any of the Camille, can you remind well, is, us what I, the question was? I don't have was. the audio of the question. It's nothing. My, my
0: understanding is, yeah, my understanding is someone us? asked about the circumstances that he was dealing with at B, BU and the criticism that he was facing at the time. We're, we're like, he spent a... Fuck ton of money. Yeah, this is this nothing. is this is the problem that he was facing. And of course the New York Times story that was describing the situation there. An ambitious anti-racism center scales back amid allegations of poor management. There aren't allegations. It's poor management. Poor management. <laughs> I, but I, but even poor management,
2: which is like, where did the money go? Poor management is like, did you guys get any coffee for the coffee machine? That's like a management issue, like a bad manager. But this is uh, the amazing thing about this is I was I was looking through. I have a lot of old political magazines from from the last century. You know, Partisan Review, Encounter, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
3: If it's funny about the CIA, <laughs> Moynihan has it. Yes,
2: yes, which is why it's the best of the magazines <laughs> that I have. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and you'll read through the letters page, and there's just these brawls between all of these little factions, you know, left-wing factions, right-wing factions. And there were these really interesting back and Actually, the New York Review of Books used to do yeah, this a lot. That's where it all played so, out. Right? I mean, I just read a letters section about Nicaragua in the '80s with Robert Lycan in the New York uh, Review of Books page, and it's like back and forth, and really, really interesting. People really attacking him, but it's really substantive, right? And you see these people like Kendi and Nicole Hannah Jones, and, and instead of the the you know uh, letters pages of these magazines from the previous century, I feel like I'm watching the show that I was watching with my daughter. Which is like they have to kill monsters, <laughs> like there's big, bad monsters, and that's it. There's no nuance to anything. You just have to kill those bad people, and there's good people. There's no you know debate to be had about the nuances of like this. I mean, can you imagine the purpose of being and, and this is a terrible phrase. I never understood why people said public intellectual? because there's no private intellectuals, but like a public intellectual like Nicole Hannah-Jones. And the, the entire frisson that you get from doing that is debating people about it, putting your ideas to the test, going in front of a panel of people, going in front of an audience. And why would you not do that? Which Candy doesn't do that. Nicole Hannah-Jones doesn't do that. They just sit on the other side saying that anybody who disagrees with them is some sort of deeply sinister you know, uh, person with very uh, questionable motivations. I mean, that's me being generous. I mean, what yeah. they're actually saying is or, that they're all racist.
0: self-hating monsters. There's greedy tokens who are willing to say anything for pay. I mean, this, this is what they traffic in. It's almost exclusively the kind of assertion, allegation that they traffic in. It's like the, racist it's, language. it's tropes about everyone else being yeah. some sort of hateful racist or being some sort of self-loathing monster who does things um, against their people for race but they themselves are benevolent self-sacrificing saints who can only they can't help he's compelled not because of the millions of dollars that he makes doing it he's compelled to serve all black people collectively (laughs) because he loves black people and he could because he couldn't look at the black guy that he walked by well here's here's what i'd say to you you, homeboy (laughs) black black man if this is your concern, let's have a conversation at any place, at any time, in front of some audience where we just unpack some of these things. And we can talk about Claudine Gay and various other things. My my suspicion, however, is that in the same way that he has declined every invitation to do this sort of thing with virtually everyone who's asked, which should be certainly me before and my good friend Coleman, um, I suspect I'll never hear from him because there's simply no reason why he would want to be submitted to an actual interrogation when thus far in every single mainstream media outlet where he's had an opportunity to, to sort of present his ideas, um, it's simply been a love fest, like no one asking critical questions, people simply deferring to him and allowing him to get away with saying just about anything. Um, and I think it is uh, perhaps a sign of welcome change that, that Claudine Gay simply couldn't survive this particular scandal. But even more than that, that people are talking openly, um, and I think in some instances, even thoughtfully, about scandals like this and about the general rot inside of um, these universities. Um, But what's really disheartening is to see the way that the uh, media is broadly responding to this, that insane AP story Um, The the bizarre coverage that we've already documented here uh, on the podcast this evening, but that you can find pretty much any place of people bending over backwards to ignore the substantive assertions of wrongdoing and instead paying all of the attention to the nefarious characters who happen to be cheering this on or who have gone to great lengths to insist that they are responsible for the scalping of this particular person. Um, And that's the most important thing language. language. Hey,
2: yeah, everybody, everybody's taking taking credit for this one. Um, by the way, could you imagine? And I mentioned um, Hitchens today on Megyn mm. Kelly's show, saying that you know people who are writers, um, you know, have words that are just flowing out of them. It's very hard to keep them in. That's they. I, you're not going to find Christopher Hitchens borrowing anybody else's language. It just it just wouldn't happen. It's never been a an accusation. It never would be. Look, look, look. You'll find nothing. Um, Could you? But to add to that, could you imagine him dodging someone in a debate? Something he loved to do. I mean, some like theists, um, left wingers, right wingers, Muslims. It didn't make a difference. He would debate anybody and do it incredibly well because that's the job. Apparently, it's no longer the job. But I want to say one positive thing about Harvard, and particularly about black scholars at Harvard, many of whom I disagree with. But in let's say twenty years ago. A lot of these, I think almost all of them are still there. And I have problems with some of them and have been richly rewarded by almost all of them. And I was trying to think at the top of my head, people, and this is how you have a murderer's row that isn't Claudine Gay. And I was thinking Charles Ogletree, Randall Kennedy, William Julius Wilson, absolutely amazing Mm. scholar who I really disagree with on a lot of things, Orlando Mm -hmm. Patterson. Henry Louis Gates. I mean, what an all-star lineup!
0: A lot of genuinely you, smart, talented en- people there.
2: Genuinely smart, interesting, talented people who are, I think, maybe a little too uniform in their political beliefs. But so what? I think that they've all been very open-minded. Particularly somebody like Randall Kennedy, who I know disagrees with you know your position on a some lot of things. things, Camille, and we've we've talked and agreed on some other things. Thanks. Yeah, and and he wrote a book that I don't even think he'd be able to write today. Or be- say the title
0: of the book, Moynihan,
2: um, person of color. It's called. Um, <laughs> it's
0: not <laughs> a history of a, a, a troublesome word or something is a subtitle. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the name I, I of think it. it's actually. I think it's okay if you say it to be. That's fair. the name I think, of the I think book. Randall Randall would be happy if you said it. I don't think Randall would be sure.
2: happy. I think he'd probably defend <laughs> me because I was just talking about his book, which, by the way, I thought was very very good. Yeah. Um, very, very good book.
0: Well, it's um, called Tanger, very the Funny. Strange Career of a Troublesome Word.
2: Did I remember that
0: right? Wow, Troublesome Word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lord, I remember that subtitle. Yeah, um, but you couldn't remember the first part. I couldn't, remember the, f- I couldn't remember the actual name yeah. of the book, but I remember you can't the subtitle perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. I can't, I can't forget it for yeah. my own part. Yeah. Um, the only, the only uh, objection I have to that soliloquy Moynihan is the description of black scholars and not because they would object to that particular mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. description of themselves, but there, there's just something so potently bizarre and strange about the fact that you could name any number of scholars who happen to work in the academy who don't look like well, them, wait, so, and it would so, be conventional. Not you, you know. I but just, but just in, in,
2: in my defense, all well. of those people are in the African American, yeah. Uh, they would describe whatever way, history no department. Problem. It's not like I'm absolutely naming. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I would mention Roland Fryer in that. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't mention Roland Fryer in that, you know, because that's, yeah, yeah he's a sociologist. Although I don't know yeah. that
0: he wouldn't, I don't know that he wouldn't describe himself in that way. No, no, I don't I mean because he would describe imagine. himself that way, but just that's the department, sure. the department sure. is why, yeah. Sure. But, but in either case, it's, it's not this beyond you and just in general, it is not at all unconventional to hear people talk in these broad, in this broad sweeping language mm-hmm. about, quote, Black scholars, black intellectuals, black academics. I don't know why one who actually had any sort of self respect would only strive to become this hyphenate ac- intellectual hyphenate <laughs> academic. Like, why do you feel the need to have that kind of qualifier attached to you, or at helpful. least feel comfortable with having that sort of qualifier attached to you? And at this point, we have to stop pretending that this is a this is always a, a circumstance where you need to be twice as good. I'll permit. That it may be possible that there are circumstances where people face genuine racism and need to be twice as good, but that isn't the situation with Claudia and Gay. There's just no evidence of that whatsoever. The evidence is actually running in the other direction. You have to be even more than that, (laughs) (laughs) and even even more than that. When I see um, that Al Sharpton is planning to do some sort of demonstration. Um, outside of the offices of some billionaire who yeah. happens to dislike <laughs> a particular academic who who they were advocating to have fired, who makes a million dollars a year, this is just like elite on elite violence, and I'm fine and you
2: with love it. it. You Let's love it. Let's stop
0: pretending that this is about racial justice and that this is about uplifting anyone. That this is in some way, shape, or form our attempt to to take. Out white supremacy once and for all in this country no these are elites arguing with one another about who ought to be making the big bucks and having the prestigious position and it's not it doesn't matter whether it's a black person or a white person it's only going to be one there's one person who can be the head at harvard and collect that particular million dollar paycheck only Mm. one and it doesn't matter what they look like because they're not sharing that money with you it's obscene that we have these conversations it's in this way, and it's obscene that all <laughs> Just of the pretense <laughs> in, the jur- in the journalism that's supposed to be serving this drama suggests that yeah, no, there is actually a very serious uh, conversation to be had here about race and gender. No, there isn't. Not really. Mm-hmm. Like not not in the way that you mean. Claudine Gay. Nobody. Knew not a conversation who this conversation. Woman either. was before yeah. this happened. Yeah. No one.
3: Not. Nah. She yeah, wasn't doing one. this
0: on behalf of her community. She was doing this What's for What's her community? Rich Haitians? <laughs> yes. I mean, rich Haitian immigrants. <laughs> Glasses models. But no, even more, even more than that, even more than that, I didn't know she was a Haitian immigrant. I didn't care. Yeah. The only thing that mattered to me was, yeah, God, you seem to be kind of shitty at your job. Mm. You, 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 were, you were an embarrassment during the congressional testimony, which of course it was a trap. You knew that going in and you should have done better. And then it turns out you happen to be the a president of so Harvard. Well. You should be smart. It's a trap. Weird. That's enough. That's enough of a reason to fire you. That's another reason for me to be fine with them firing you. Good Lord. Good God. I mean,
2: that's the president it. of Harvard should have like a fucking four handicap in golf. You should have to be good at everything. <laughs> it's like you're the, you're the president of all the smart people on earth. Be good and talented oh, at everything. God. By the way, do you think Camille? And I, I, I imagine what your answer is. Uh, that there is any at any point in the next 20 years, you know, contemporaneously to that any of these people who are complaining and saying I have to work twice as hard in a university, by the way, which is probably the, you know, place where that's least true. Um, is there any opportunity that they will ever say that's no longer true? Because it seems to me that the kind of intellectual edifice here is structured in a way that it allows for no advancement. I mean, mm. there's real advancement. Of progress, yeah. I mean, progress, yeah, progress. That actually, this the psychological progress. I mean, there's real progress. Uh, Claudine De- Gay was making almost a million dollars a year to do it fuck all, as far as I can. Is talk.
3: is it's not past tense. is still yeah. still like can you imagine a situation thousand dollars a year? It's
2: a, I mean. Presumably, uh-huh. there's a lot more on top of that too. And, well, sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, yeah. but but is that going to happen? Like, is there a situation where someone is going to say, like, like the San Day O'Connor, you know, twenty five? Let's look at this in twenty five years from now. That mm-hmm. this is just a perpetual thing that they think is kind of encoded yes. in the white supremacist country they live in. So there's never going to be any progress, and they're never going to stop saying this.
0: Well, they, there must be. There must be racial parity in all things. There must be racial parity in all outcomes. That is what success looks like. And the fact that these these groups themselves are not the same in every respect and thus would never really have parity naturally anyways sure. doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the only thing that matters to them is that there must be parity and engineering that parity and perhaps ensuring by way of legal interventions of various kinds that that parody remain forever and ever, Amen. Like, that is the project. Um, and, uh, it's not hilarious. It's that I keep hearing that people who believe parody. in that would, would move away. <laughs> 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 it's like ODY or parody. Yes. Yeah. No, parody. the whole
2: thing seems like a parody.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. I did see a tweet from um, Brian Armstrong, who is the CEO of Coinbase, as you know, Moynihan, mm-hmm. you know, avid crypto trader that you right. are.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and Brian had gotten into a little bit of hot water um, during 2020 when he insisted that Coinbase would be a mission-focused company yeah. and that they would no longer um, have conversations about various divisive political issues. And he was doing that at a time when people were demanding that he make some sort of public statement um, about the need for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and pers- <laughs> (laughs) specifically that he posts something about black lives matter. You said, and he said
3: conclusion. And I want to keep that forever, by the way,
0: (laughs) diversity, (laughs) equity,
3: and conclusion.
0: No, I said, Nope. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's stuttered, but I said inclusion, but in either case, in either case, Brian posted something today in response to Bill Ackman. And I just, it's interesting because it's the first time in a while I've seen him post about it. And again, it just seems to suggest that just something is a little bit different right now. Um, and he says towards the end, um, after talking about DEI, one thing not often discussed is it's not just unethical to hire based on race, gender, et cetera, and undermines the candidates who get hired this, this way. It's also illegal in all 50 states. Oops. Any search mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. explicitly had race and gender Correct. as requirements arguably broke the law. Correct. And we may see legal action on it including one Supreme Court justice and one California senator among many examples. Great leadership here from Bill Ackman. It is very difficult to accept the premise that the people who are annoyed by, outraged by, This kind of conduct, the the racialization of everything, of insisting that employment ought to be done and virtually everything else ought to be done on the basis of racial parity. That the policy of your organization ought to be formally, we have enough people who look like you here, Mm -hmm. therefore we can't hire you qualified job candidate. Mm -hmm. Sorry, try again. Mm -hmm. If people find that gross and despicable, that doesn't make them racist. If you insist... This is the only way that we can ever do hiring from now on mm-hmm. forever. You might be racist. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that is kind of the important thing to keep in mind I think you might be when you yeah. consider these stories going forward. And maybe I have nothing else to say I, about I, I the Claudine Gay like situation. I
2: don't when people, you know, use the law to make political, you know, provided that it's a sensible legal challenge. I mean... Mm-hmm. I, I used to have a conversation with uh, somebody that you know, Camille, a mutual friend, um, and we would send emails about, you know, maybe the place we worked. I don't know, who knows. And it would always be like, is the, the I if I search my email, how many times did we send messages say, is not this a violation of federal law? And that was like, <laughs> it was a, a frequent, um, like, kind of jab. But it's true. It's it's also true. But the thing about that federal law, and the thing about federal laws like this. Yeah, is that it's not only about fairness. It's not only about you know the fundamental unfairness of saying to somebody that you do not get a chance to get into this university to get this job, whatever, because of these rigid racial criteria. It's not only that. It's also that so many of of uh, so many of these laws also kind of exist to promote social harmony, right? I mean, that too much of you're going to be excluded from something because of something that you can't control, that immutable tax that you're carrying around with you. I've seen enough of that in my time and people reacting to it to understand a certain faction of people that support Donald Trump that did support Barack Obama. I've talked to people about this, that they it's not just, oh, I can't say that thing anymore, I, which is always recast as, oh, these guys are mad, they can't make racist jokes anymore. No, I've talked to a number of people too that don't believe that they have the same opportunities anymore um, because there's a quest to not hire people that look like them. Whether or not that's true is kind of irrelevant to the point because the point is that, you know, these laws that exist, I mean, I I always think of them as, and whether or not they're constructed this way for, for you know, for this purpose. But social harmony and social cohesion is something that is rather important, and you have to look at the sort of unforeseen circumstances and 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 collateral damage from some of this stuff. And I think that's had a to- terrible effect on America over the past ten, fifteen, twenty years. I've Maybe got a long.
3: question for you, Camille. You were oh talking uh, just just to represent <laughs> your people a little bit um
0: <laughs> which which ones that's the, 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 the team at founder's one I'm, I'm ga- not sure I can I'm do gonna that i tell you uh, no <laughs> never the them never them
3: <laughs> Blake Masters will have to like defend for himself um <laughs> Blake Masters does not work here okay but yeah uh, cool cool for everybody uh, i suppose um <laughs> no uh my question is you were talking about like the work twice as hard or three times as hard formulation yeah um yeah which is risible yes. in the particular context, for sure. But, all right, you know, we were, we were on uh, Megan Kelly earlier today. And um, granted, I'm like zoned out. I'm on drugs and stuff. And I'm not paying a lot of attention while we're recording. Um, but uh, you had a really moving part about being a, um, a product of Jamaican immigration, right?
4: I don't hmm.
3: over sell it but it was like a, it was a very like legitimately moving part of the conversation so um as someone who is pretty recent jamaican american product right mm. um and also as someone who comes from a fucking crazy ass religion i'm sorry of uh, <laughs> to Camille's mom, <laughs> Ringo Seal. Um, uh, no,
0: but for someone who, who- Yes, my family is Seventh-day Adventist Who is brought up in a Go religious
3: on. minority, which I love because it's American, and all I want yeah. is my Mormons and my Seventh-day Adventists and my Scientologists <laughs> to unite because we're fucking Americans here. Um, yeah, yeah. Where, if ever, have you felt uh, the necessity to be twice as good? uh in those communities in any communities to to like punch twice as hard to like prove that you're good enough to be there like like real talk have you felt like hey. that
0: ever oh, there there's there's two ways to answer that like in general i've that hasn't been my experience that i've felt like i need to do things uh, as an adult, anyways, that I need to do things on behalf of my race, um, or that I need to do things in a better way because people are going to frown upon me no, in different circumstances. Note because that of I my didn't race. say
3: race, but go on.
0: Yeah, but I know that that's but that's what they're referring to when they talk about the necessity for them to be twice as. But good. it's not even it's not even what I'm referring to. Like I like okay. in, in any place well, did you feel like? Well, I'll say. Yeah. Well, this is why I said that I could answer it two different yeah. ways. I will say, however, that being someone who has perspectives that are uh, uh, not uh, (laughs) typical for someone who happens to look like me, I frequently feel that it is essential for me to be kind of perfect when Mm -hmm. delivering critiques and publishing things that uh, are representative of my, pr- of my perspective. And I don't think it's just kind of a personal perfectionism, although there might be a little bit of that. I think more than that, it's knowing that there are people who would be all too happy to take advantage of some sloppiness on my part um, or honest mistake and try to represent that as clear demonstrable proof of my fundamental um, contamination. Like I can, I can remember reporting on the the Amy Cooper thing, and knowing that this is something that is likely to receive quite a bit of scrutiny. Like you dot all your eyes, and you you cross your Ts, and you go back and do it again, and then you go back and do it again. And most journalists do that, but I think in my particular case, like I knew that there would be a certain level of scrutiny because of the pers- particular perspectives I have. And the fact that I look the way that i do it's it 's regarded as a as a betrayal of some sort, as i 've been told openly and explicitly by people, and I find that risible um, it 's a betrayal for me to hold views that you don 't like because we quote unquote look look alike in some way shape or form um, so I suppose there 's that dynamic, but it 's certainly not what Coates and others describe when they talk about. Um, this this kind of nonsense concept, in my estimation, that the one has to be twice as good in order to succeed. If anything, in my estimation, uh, it's been the opposite. There have been plenty of doors that have opened, and this was true even when I was a younger person. Because you know, if you happen to be exceptional and you also <laughs> happen to have color that is about the skin, the color the, that that is about the same who shade you ta- as who mine.
1: You
0: talking about? <laughs> you, me personally, like I am, I am by any standard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty fucking exceptional. And if you happen uh-huh. to be that and you also happen to be someone who is uh, occasionally subjected to the soft bigotry of low expectations, yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? That's a fucking cheat code. Like <laughs> I can walk yeah. on water. Yeah. Um so that that more than anything else has been my occasional um experience, but no, I mean, have I ever been in rooms and been the the darkest person al- around, um the only dark skinned person there? In Professional context, sure. Did that make me uncomfortable? I mean, I suppose, but it probably would have made me uncomfortable to just be the only person there who, like, I or to be, to be there and not know anyone in the room.
2: That surprises um, me I that you said that it would make me more uncomfortable.
0: uncomfortable. I say that would make me uncomfortable, but only in so much as I'm the only person I don't know anyone else in the room, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that might make me uncomfortable, but my race alone. As an adult human, while I've had my ideas and perspectives codified, not so much. Um, what about, because it's so funny that most,
2: when I hear of a sort of racist incident that involves a friend or, you know, you, it's, it's typically something. <laughs> I like that, that you differentiate
3: that from a friend. Go on. Yeah, not f-
2: no, no. Well, yeah, I have some. I have Cause some because like family. That's yeah, what that is. I have I some, and he doesn't call himself black. I have some friends that do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's always people. it's always yeah. something that where someone's being like really autistic. And just doesn't, and and because of all of this rhetoric is just nervous around black people, that they're not nervous. absolutely. They're not nervous because of any like racist. They're just nervous they're going to say something wrong. And they're just like sitting there and like, hi Camille, do you like Belle Biv DeVoe? And like walk (laughs) into a wall. And it's like, (laughs) what did you just say? it's fucking weird. <laughs> and then people are like, that's the most racist. Why did you ask him
0: that? It's like, I don't know. I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. i like that. that, but never like, yeah. but also your brain's small, but also, <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've encountered like genuine racist. No, before. but oh, yeah, yeah. I, have I have too. Like not, not many the answer. I so mean, question, like though? overt racists who would say gross <laughs> things, Wait, which, which specific question? Belbiv DeVoe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Do you like <laughs> Belbiv DeVoe? And who I is, and who is your favorite? Now BBD? <laughs> Is it Michael Bivens? <laughs> Clear, clearly. Clearly. Okay. Just making sure. Um, I mean, God, new addition. What a great yeah, band. They were I mean, great. they're giving us so much they, collectively. They, they did indirectly by way of Bobby kill Whitney Houston, which was a great loss. But mm-hmm. I mean, they also shouldn't have made that. Mr. Telephone Man, you know? Because there was something wrong with his line.
2: I don't yeah. feel like we should talk about things like this. Um, which which I, things are oh, just he's, stuff like this because uh, because while oh, we Bell, were Bell yeah just while we were in like a, a second of a digression i looked over at my email uh-oh uh, and someone sent an email that said after four years of listening this podcast has gone down the tubes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tell i do <don't> <laughs> what did, what did we do uh well i responded to aaron and i said uh well thanks for listening that's i'm, yeah. I'm be nice to people even Seriously. if they think it's gone down the tubes but, what uh, are they outraged about? I have no idea. Probably, probably Belbov DeVoe or something. We don't get, we really don't get many of those emails. <laughs> no. uh, but when we do, it's, it's, I, I don't, I mean, these care. days, I would <laughs> presume it has
0: something to do with like the Israeli Palestinian conflict. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he
2: hates Jews. Well, I don't care. Not, yeah. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> i sorry.
0: I don't care.
2: No, I mean, I yeah. don't, I mean, I don't care. It's like you cannot please everybody. And that is the first and most important lesson I learned in my life was never try to um, make sure that everybody's happy because it's an, it's an impossible task. I mean, Camille was practice. talking about how,
3: uh, or maybe it was Moynihan earlier, um, reading from the Claudine Gay NYT highlights of her op-ed saying that, my God, I got death threats and people said nasty things about me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude... Try to write for a like a libertarian publication and point out that even treason magazine (laughs) treason re CNN. Um, (laughs) That that one's
2: such a stupid stretch too. It's great.
1: (laughs) It's fantastic. (laughs) My favorite is like like
3: by definition ninety nine percent of the people who say re CNN. um, That's not original to them. They'd like got it from no. someone else who might have been a, a oh, and they form- thought it was good. they're like former cool. guest of the show and like like, uh, I'm gonna use that, and now I'll show them. It's like, can you imagine a borrowed, like horrifyingly stupid term? okay, it's like it everyone feels great no on on a daily basis, if you write things about political controversy, if you engage in the public conversation about political controversies. You are going to get, and I can testify from this any fucking day of the week. Seriously, any day of the week. You're like there is. Uh, we look at our own uh, emails here on this uh, podcast with some regularity, and there is like uh, a version, and we don't even talk about. It. I don't think we've ever even like mentioned this among the three of us. I'm doing it just right now. We're like, we know where you live, and we are going to kill you. This this happens like once a week. And it's usually two or three people. Sorry to bring it up. Like it's kind of a buzzkill, but like, um, so like I could get really mad about how we're receiving death threats and it's really chilling our speech or it's just a fucking asshole. It's just a fucking asshole. I actually don't
2: believe most of it. The people who actually get them when they get them and, uh, they post them always. I mean, almost always, it's like with the email address and it's like, have at it, this person just threatened me and here's, if this is a real email. But usually I think um, that's not true. And you see this a lot when people say on Twitter, X happened, uh, you know, this time when I said this and people will go back and not find any of it. It's ha- mm-hmm. This happens a lot. People are very, very interested in playing that victim that, um, um, and I'm not saying that Claudia and didn't get that. I have no idea. I have literally no idea, but it is so frequent that when somebody has a political opinion that is controversial, unpopular, whatever it is, or they've stepped in it, um, or they've gone viral, it's going to be T minus five until they're talking about the death threats that they got. Yeah. And Just nobody main... reacts to them. No one takes it seriously. So why? Yeah. Why don't people take it seriously? Because they don't really believe them.
0: The death threats well, that they, are they, serious. They don't necessarily believe them are like yeah, the ones,
3: and this is happening right now as we speak, of like- I'm going to go out in front of the Democratic majority leader to his house and protest in front of it. I'm going to go to uh, the secretary of defense's house on Christmas morning and make sure that his kids, if he has any, doesn't have a good Christmas. Like, that shit is bad, dude. Like, it's not right. Um, And it's a qualitative difference from... Like, oh, you became a momentary object of political controversy, and some randos said horrible things about you. If you are at all in the world, that's going to happen, and it's not pleasant, um, but also fucking, that's the price of business. Um, But we should also have a culture in which the latter part, or at least the part about going into someone's driveway is considered weird and bad, Um, and we don't. And we fucking don't. And this is something that has been a topic of this podcast since its inception. We didn't intend it to be that way, um, but there's been so much ridiculous, like political violence, and like and and, and like theatrics of violence, and mm-hmm. people thinking mm-hmm. that they're going to be these heroic figures or whatever. Um, and none of it has like washed out into learning about how we might behave in the future. We're not behaving well in the future. It has nothing to do with people coming out Claudine Gay it on Twitter. That is not a problem for Claudine Gay. What is a problem, literally, is that people are going into public spaces in New York City, for example, and saying, oh, where are the Jews at? Okay, let's do an intifada forever <laughs> in that neighborhood. Um, or let's go to a public official's house. Um, we. Or let's back a presidential candidate who thinks that what happened on January 6th, 2021 was great. Um, All of that is bad. We are not like processing the problem of political violence in this country at all, at all. Um, And Mm -hmm. that is not at in a remote bit like addressed by Claudine Gay's bullshit New York Times op-ed and her behavior right now. And if people wanted to like be serious about free speech and the difference between free speech and like actually intimidating people in a physically violent way, um, you know, go and look at what FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education, or actually in expression, um, uh, talked about uh in a tweet storm ten days See. ago. It's and, and it's fucking Camille. Um, look at the look <laughs> at that stuff. That stuff is serious if you want to build that future what she will do and what her defenders will do in the next 72 hours will be a fucking shit show. It will have nothing to do with free <laughs> expression, it'll have nothing to do with building like a better future for political fucking discourse in this country.
0: Um we we should probably wrap in not too long, but I I was um as you were talking Matt about like death threats I recalled seeing that um, in Maine, the Secretary of State, Sheena Bellows, um, had her home swatted um, mm-hmm. shortly after uh, she made the decision to remove Donald Trump from the ballot because she insists that he has violated the Constitution uh, and participated in insurrection. Um, I uh, It's one of those things where it's certainly bad when something like that happens. But it's also one of those when when some well, both things, actually, um, but specifically I was referring to the swatting. But it's also hard to know who was responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Is it is it someone who hates you on account of what you've done with respect to Trump? Is it someone who thinks that that in general, publicly, that this thing happening would generally be bad for Trump and his people, is it a false flag operation? It's literally impossible to know, and it is so easy to do something like that. Uh, and we've certainly seen examples of trolling of that sort before. Um, the rash of bomb threats—when uh, was this? Back in twenty seventeen, the kid uh, in Israel that were eventually traced back to a kid in Israel yeah. who had set up some sort of like automated dialer that was playing a recorded message threatening to set off bombs at synagogues. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And who would have have thought that this is not some weird stormfront lunatic? It is just some kid having fun. Um, It it matters that that's a part of what happens now. But it also matters that January 6th um, happened and was generally terrible and awful, um, but looked a lot like... Uh, a lot of the other political violence and general instability and craziness that we've dealt with over recent years. Um, so, in as much as the culture and climate has changed since we are at the top of the year, maybe I'll we'll we'll part on this. I can ask you guys a question: um, How crazy does this year get? Um, Donald Trump running for president uh, next week. We've got another uh, town hall featuring him. Separate from that, a debate between um, Haley and DeSantis. Like. Uh, what are your expectations for how things shake out um, mm. in our in our politics? If we've got Donald Trump facing um, Joe Biden for the presidency of the United States in November of 2024, um, are things as crazy as they were the last time no. around? Are we have we no, overcome no, 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 no. a certain uh, has the fever broken in general? I mean, I, in a way, I mean. <laughs>
2: You're hard-pressed to find some young person who's talking about Israel and they're marching and shutting down JFK Airport who doesn't say that this is the most destructive war and the most offensive case of genocide in the history of modern times.
3: Backed up, It's the very New York hard times, to find. By the way, like... What's that? The New York Times had a piece saying, in, something, insanely, something like that. That, the, um, that what's happened in Gaza are the most wars in like most Arab deaths in a war in modern yeah, times, yeah, yeah. which yeah, that's there's I've no seen. way there's fucking no yeah, way. Yeah. You can get I
2: mean, that. Syria, Syria is Syria wants Syria to last week. That's like, trying to get some credit for it. But you know, there's always somebody who's going to say that. And there's always somebody who's 20 years old in college and just getting into politics. Who's going to say, this is the craziest year uh, nothing's ever like this, and this is the worst time in American political history.
0: Are you saying this isn't this upcoming election isn't the most consequential of our lifetime? This is the I'm other. Sure. This is the other one that's <laughs> that's
2: ad infinitum always said. So, look, I think that everything since twenty twenty has gotten better. Oh. Life since twenty twenty has gotten better. I mean, remember twenty twenty was George Floyd Fucking was worst. the election was COVID mm-hmm. was I mean, imagine how fucked dark. up that year was and you guys got a little bit bought
0: cars and houses yeah yes yes well sold sold the house i got had to get out of dc yeah Yeah. i mean get out of new york yeah 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 that was that was my
2: i hadn't lost my mind
0: that was that was a good decision actually On my
2: part, (laughs) i think it was the best decision i ever made and i realized (laughs) that i don't like being around people much anymore i just come out i i came out to uh to uh, the uh, East Egg compound yesterday because I was starting to feel sick, and I was like, I don't, I just want to be by myself, <laughs> I'm not getting yeah. anyone sick. <laughs> I mean, by yourself, I'm a good time.
3: a.k.a. Miguel. But go on. Yeah, well, I mean,
2: I've got a couple jobs that I have to go to. Um, <laughs> I got to hang a door. Uh, that, that's like my cat It'd be great if I just started doing that and showing up and pretending I didn't speak any English. <laughs> like, I don't, okay. 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 And then somebody would actually speak Spanish, and I would be like, "What?" Um, what?
0: Uh,
1: responded in German. I say he's
0: transracial. It's fine. Yeah, I'm transracial. He's fine. Yeah, as a, as a condition. I think it's don't, de- don't deny his truth. I think it's going to be better. I don't think it's
2: going to be as bad as everyone thinks it will be. And also, going back to 2016, everything that Donald Trump said was like a news story. For it was like, "Oh my god, he wants to blow up a blow up a storm." He <laughs> like every crazy thing that he said. And now no one pays attention. It's just not, it doesn't feel as crazy because people aren't reporting on the crazy all the time.
3: It doesn't make it better. Uh, he, no, no, it doesn't make it better. He says those things to this day after having been a bad president and a really shitty ex-president. Um, he said, you know, eight days ago or something, on a Christmas, a Christmas Day message, which we talked about, which is like, they're going to rot in hell, the Democrats. Yeah. Like, yeah. He might be president of the United States again. The guy who's, like, they're going to rot in hell. Yeah. Like that's, that's like, seriously, even if they are going to rot in hell, that's just kind of a weird fucking deal. Um, it's a weird fucking flex. Uh, I think really 2024 doesn't. is going to be terrible. <laughs> really fucking terrible. Um, It's going to be as bad as 1976. Um, and the question is, yeah. You mean
2: the bicentennial year? Would you hate America? Okay. <laughs> Dude,
3: I remember 1976, unlike you. Are you were born in when? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I was,
2: yeah, I was very, I was alive. But so I was just the thing
3: alive. about 76, which is, ha, is it saving grace, is that like, it was like, it was fucked up and it knew it was fucked up. Like the tall ships came yeah. to New York Harbor and they're like a year late or something. And they're like, ah, we can't do shit anymore. Come on. If we're being no, honest, um, like the, I think,
0: first
2: album came out in 76 though.
3: Ramon's first album. Um, it's a good album. Uh, 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 like, like everything FYI. was like fucked up gauzy on the West coast where we were from. You know, it, it, it was all about fucking smog and drought and awfulness um, it it was, but at the same time, it was sort of like conjunction, junction. What's your function? Um, uh, <laughs> there, there were like people figured out a way to like balance the awfulness with the what the fuck. This is where we're at right now. Um, so seventy six is a good outcome for this year. Seventy two is a bad outcome, and we've talked about this on this podcast a ton. The Brian Burroughs book, Days of Rage. Um, and other things like we hope, and you know, there's been actually some pretty interesting, uh, statistics that have come out in the last couple of days. Baltimore has fewer murders in the last year than DC, which isn't kind of never happened in our lifetime. And Camille, I know that you feel like that, uh, uh, in a very personal, uh, level, um, that's great for Baltimore. It's horrible for DC, um, there is possibility that there is going to be like broader societal things that is going to make all of the impending bullshit less bad. But um, as we've been talking about in this podcast since its inception, no one is being honest about political violence in this country. And as yeah. long as we're in that space um, and we're in also a place where people are like, Hey, is this some kind of weird extrajudicial thing that we can do to like eliminate the possibility of Donald Trump? That's not going to make that shit any better. Not even a little bit. Uh, so I have a lot of trepidation going forward.
2: In now I have to ask a question that we're going to go out on because I have decided I feel like oh. I'm about to die. Oh no. Um, what is the su- what is the Supreme Court uh, ruling on that? Ooh, 7-2, on Trump? 7 9 0 at least 7-2, uh, hopefully
0: 9-0, but probably
2: 7-2. 7-2? What do you think, Camille?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah that's, that's where I've been leaning, but um, it could be like a weird 5-4. Who knows?
0: Oh, God. That would be yeah. bad.
3: That would be so bad. That'd be bad. bad.
2: Because then everybody says the election was stolen. Everybody has a case, right? Donald Trump has one regardless because he just says it. He doesn't, <laughs> have, doesn't have any evidence, just says it. And then, and then Democrats will just be like, look, the, the court, the Trump court stole it. They, they refuse yeah, to, I think, yeah. if it's five, four, it if it's nine, it, if it's nine, it doesn't matter. Not Even if it's nine, it nothing. They still say it. No. It,
0: I don't. Well, you're right. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Either way.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic, yeah. but I feel like I'm about to die. So I got to go and, and, and sleep.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this was a, <laughs> an unusual first outing in some respects, yes. uh, but it was good to be with you both. And I, I totally that understand must,
2: that guy who emailed now. <laughs> after that, after recording that episode, I'm like, geez, I, maybe I we should hang out. The
0: next time the next time we'll probably do this in person. Fuck yeah, maybe. yeah, maybe.
2: yeah, I think so. We'll see. I think so. Alright,
0: well I'm coming to New York. So let's get it done. All right. All right.
4: Bye. We need no
1: new methods of attack.